1: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and, of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan.
3: Hello here, and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan joining you here in Indianapolis as we put a wrap. On Big Ten Media Days, uh, Nebraska went on Tuesday. They were in and out of this thing um, before lunchtime, really for the most part, as uh, they had to get back to start practice. Uh, they had meetings and Fan Day Tuesday night. Fall camp was on Wednesday, uh, but a lot of talk about you know just Nebraska in general and and Scott Frost's demeanor at Media Days, and I don't really get too into that stuff. I I just you know, when a coach doesn't give an opening statement, it, I don't care. I mean, it doesn't really bother me one way or the other because they specifically ask the coach, "Hey, do you want to give an opening statement or go right to questions?" And some coaches do go right. Like Jim Harbaugh is not a big opening statement guy, um, and and we've seen other coaches do that over the years. Coaches that don't get a lot of questions from the media, like if you're a Maryland coach or a Rutgers coach, sometimes, you know, you might have to. Uh, give a 12-minute opening statement just to fill your 15 minutes of time on the stage. Uh, Coach Frost got 15 minutes worth of questions uh, before he stepped off the stage here uh, on Tuesday, but um, it is what it is. Now, what I will say is there wasn't really a lot of national shine on Nebraska as, as to be expected coming off the year. They're picked fifth in the division Um, that's obviously a lot lower than people would like to see, but it's reality. That's reality of where things are, are, are right now with Nebraska going into this season. They went three and nine. They've not gone to a bowl game since 2016, five straight years. Um, does Nebraska have more talent than being fifth in the division picks? I think so. Um, are they probably closer to third or fourth in the division preseason? Probably. Um, do they have a better schedule than Iowa and Wisconsin? Yes. Minnesota has probably an equal schedule to Nebraska. Schedule does matter. When you talk about the Big Ten West, the schedule matters. Nebraska's got the best schedule along with Minnesota and the, the division. And a good schedule is sometimes worth a game in the standings. Now, can Nebraska take advantage of that? That's what we don't know. And, you know, they open with Northwestern. They have early games against teams like Rutgers and uh, Purdue and Illinois in the Big Ten. Um, they essentially play – All of their um, games against lower division opponents right out of the gates. Uh, Indiana's in there as well. Uh, Indiana and Rutgers are picked sixth and seventh in the East. They play both those teams. Um, They play Illinois Northwestern, picked sixth and seventh in the West. Um, You have Georgia Southern, you have North Dakota. So when you look at it right there, logically, there's six wins right now there. Now, to get to seven, eight wins. You got to beat some of these teams like Purdue and Minnesota or Wisconsin or in Iowa or in Michigan or in Oklahoma. Um, so, you, you, I mean, the schedule, I think, breaks down for Nebraska um, to be better than fifth in the West. And it should. And if they are fifth in the West, I think we all know what's going to happen at the end of the season. Um, so it will be very interesting. You know, Coach Frost had a lot to say, though, um, heading into fall camp. The schedule's interesting. Uh, the team is going to go one day, or they're going to go three days on, one day off, all the way through Ireland. Um, it's a schedule they want to keep um, to kind of keep this team rested. Uh, they're going to maximize their, I, b- I believe it's 25 allowable practices or whatever the number is that you get. Uh, there's no more two a days. Um, so the NCAA lets you start a little bit earlier to give you extra days off. Nebraska began one day earlier than Northwestern's beginning their fall camp. Um, So not much of a difference, uh, but Frost and his staff wanted to build in an extra day off, more or less, over the course of August. Um, So they'll begin here uh, this week on Wednesday to kind of get this team ready and rested. Um, They've got a couple of people on their coaching staff that have been a part of NFL football games that have taken place in London. Um, So they've got some good insight on how they want to get this football team ready for this massive overseas trip uh, to to take on. Um, And I say massive. It's really not that bad of a flight. I flew over to Dublin in December, and from Chicago, we landed in six hours. Uh, We had a good wind behind us, um, so you never know. uh, But it kind of gives you an idea. You know, It's not as bad of a flight as you think. I mean, if you were to fly from New York to L.A., that's like a six hour flight. Um, so I, I do think um, the trip is long, but not as long as, as you think. It's the time zones that will be the biggest difference. I left Chicago at five o'clock. We landed in Dublin at 11 p.m. central time, but it was 5 a.m. in Dublin. Um, so you, you move ahead on that clock and how they get that team ready and manage the sleep and the rest and the practice, that is the biggest challenge because it does take a couple of days to get yourself ready to go. And that's where they've got some good insight from guys that have played overseas in these London games. Um, And I think Frost is pretty confident in the plan they have in place. I would also not expect to see a depth chart released anytime soon by Nebraska. I think Coach Frost has been pretty uh, adamant about keeping that close to the vest uh, when it comes uh, just to the overall depth chart and kind of what he wants to do uh, with things. Um, he said, you know, I'm going to wait as long as possible. So what does that mean? My guess is we won't even see a depth chart in August. I think they're going to just kind of roll the ball out in at Aviva Stadium, and, you know, the starting 22 will be the starting 22. But it wouldn't surprise me at all, knowing how big this game is and knowing just Northwestern's coaching staff, they're they're kind of like the New England Patriots of the Big Ten. I mean, they like to have analytics and data and They steal signs and signals and they research and read everything up. I think they want to keep Northwestern guessing as long as they can um, going out there, especially with a new offensive system. And Frost would not get into that at all on Tuesday as far as the offensive system and what they're going to do. Um, The element of surprise is a factor, and I think Scott Frost wants Nebraska to have uh, very much so an element of surprise heading into this year. Um, You know, Garrett Nelson was one of the players here. Let me tell you, that guy has made some gains, um, you know, with his body um, physically. And, you know, this is somebody uh, I was on with Jim Rose this week, and he made the comparison just that he could be a version. I'm not saying he's going to be Aiden Hutchinson, but he could be a version of what Aiden Hutchinson was for Michigan a year ago, just with the emotion he plays with. Um, and just what he could bring off the edge to the defense. I mean, I think if you were to draw a, a plan, that's the kind of guy they want Garrett Nelson to be—an uh, emotional leader, a guy that gets it done. And Garrett's gone all in. I mean, his body has definitely, you know, toned up, slimmed down. You could even see it with his suit. A year ago, they fitted these guys for suits. He wore that same suit to media days. I just noticed that it was a little bit looser. Um, because I think he's gotten rid of some bad weight on his body and has really shredded up even more um, heading into this season. So I'm excited. That's a guy that really, really intrigues me for Nebraska heading into this year. Um, Not getting a lot of praise, um, but when you go 3-9, and you don't get a lot of praise. You you don't get on the preseason all-conference list. You might make third-team Lindys or second-team Athlon, but there are no first-team preseason guys on this Nebraska team because when you're in a 14-team conference that put multiple teams in New Year's Six Bowl games and they return a lot of those guys, um, you know, those are the teams that are going to get the players on the All-Big Ten teams. Nebraska is not one of those teams right now. Um, so it will be kind of interesting to see all of that play out here with guys like Garrett Nelson and even Oshawn Mathis and what he's going to bring to the table but i've got a full show on tap got to hear from isaac gifford he's going to join me here on the studio uh, we also did hear from trev alberts i'm going to play some of those comments here on the show and i'm going to break them down here in my next segment then i'll be joined by andy kendy um, long-time colleague of mine we've worked together on channel 7 since 2011 uh, breaking down the huskers uh, before games after games Andy was an Indy with me, and we will talk uh, Big Ten Media Days with Andy Candy as well. That is all next here in this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're
1: listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker online show, Sean Callahan here in Indianapolis as I put a wrap on Big Ten media days and you know one of the interesting things we also got a chance to talk to athletic director Trev Alberts and we haven't heard from him since um, you know some of the things that have happened here over the course of the summer and I just wanted to break down some of that conversation uh, with Trev Alberts as he did hit, on a lot of different things here. Uh, first and foremost, lots of talk about the metrics and what are the win-loss metrics for Scott Frost? Uh, USA Today filed the lawsuit. What do they mean by that? Are these metrics actually in the contract? Trev Alberts address that. The other thing
2: is, the reality is, you know, you, you can have a really good football team uh, that What happens if week five you're starting running back and quarterback and and defensive end all are out for the season with injuries? I mean, I think there's some other factors that can play into uh, things that happen to a team. And so I just think it's unwise to, listen, we all are well aware – uh, we understand what pressure is. Uh, every single coach in the Big Ten is, is under pressure to win. Uh, we are in the competition business. That's not going to change. I've said it before, we don't get tenure in athletics. So winning is kind of not an option for them. Um, and so
3: we're just slowly building back uh, um, some of the momentum that's necessary. And... Something else that Trev Alberts addressed was his relationship with Scott Frost. What is that like day-to-day? Where are they at? We know they had a lot of closed-door talks behind the scenes What is the overall relationship now with Scott Frost and Trev Alberts?
2: I'm really, really pleased with where the relationship is right now. I'm pleased with where football is. We haven't won any games, uh, but I'm pleased with uh, how bold and strategic that Scott and the staff have been in trying to make the changes necessary to to affect the change needed to win games in a very difficult conference. And by the way, as you just mentioned, Andy, it's not going to get any easier. We're bringing in uh, you know really challenging brands. So our job is to figure it out, and we're going to have a much better chance of figuring out if we're doing it together rather than doing it in silos.
3: And in reality, It comes down to wins and losses. Nebraska has not gotten it done, as we know, in the win and loss category. And Trev Alberts hit on that. As we know, Nebraska has lost nine games all by single digits a year ago. Eight of those nine were by one score or less. What's it going to take, according to Trev Alberts, to have this thing turn around?
2: And so what I've been pleased about is Scott's willingness, um, and he's done this on his own, to dive into those details, to find solutions, to try to correct those, because they're absolutely going to be necessary. I know some of you have written about and talked about one-score games, and how do we, it's 100% true. It is what it is. Every time we walk out on the field, it's not gonna be a situation where we have significantly more talent, and if we just don't turn the ball over, we're probably gonna win the game. It's kinda how it used to be, it's not that way now, and now we've gotta find a new strategy, so.
3: The Big Ten has also made some big additions this off season with the addition of UCLA and USC to the conference as new members. Uh, What was Trev Albert's thoughts on just the big 10 expansion where it's going and will the big 10 add more teams? I think most of us think that is going to be the case, whether it's a Notre Dame, a Stanford, a Cal. Um, You can go down the list, Uh, Oregon, Washington. Um, There are some teams like Miami and Florida state down in the ACC uh, all bets are off at this point. Well, first of all, I, you know,
2: I, I think it was incredibly strategic. Uh, I think it was really bold. And uh, I think in a time of change, having leadership that's willing to be bold is really important. So I really saluted the other ADs, the presidents and chancellors, but also Commissioner Warren. I, I think it's uh, I think it's wonderful. I mean, you're, you're talking about two amazing brands that, uh, you know, the Big Ten's very proud. We've got a lot of great institutions with strong brands. Certainly these two bring a lot. we got a lot to work through. You know there's some easy things to point to as challenges in terms of integrating them into uh, the conference, but as Kevin always says, you know it's 24, so we've got some time. But uh, I think they're going to be great additions to the Big Ten.
3: And then finally, that elephant in the room—the sellout streak. Where is it at? Clearly, we know Nebraska's not sold out their tickets yet for the season. Um, they want to keep that streak alive. There's still going to be well over a month uh, to get this done, um, as Nebraska doesn't open until Labor Day weekend against North Dakota. Uh, they've put out some other packages now where you can get. Um, a conference season ticket package, a non-conference season ticket package, just different creative ways to move some of those north and south end zone higher row seats for the season. So where is that sellout streak at?
2: It doesn't stress me out because I will tell you, as I mentioned before, sitting in the, in the meetings, you know, yesterday with the ADs, I mean, every one of the ADs talks about our fan base and how incredible our fans are. And that experience when we go to Memorial Stadium, it's really important to us. It's important to me. It's more reflective <coughs> of the fans. And so we've got some work to do there. Uh, if we haven't done it already, I think we're going to be releasing some additional information about additional mini ticket packages We're our team's doing everything they can. Uh, we want to keep that intact. Uh, but we need to do our part on the field. You know, and we've got to have a product that people want to to come and experience. So it's important to us. We're going to work as hard as we can to maintain it, uh, but we'll do it the right way.
3: All right. Well, hey, That thanks again. That wraps it up with uh, Trev Alberts here. Uh, it was good to hear from him in Indianapolis. When we come back on the program, I'll be joined by KETV's Andy Kendi as we'll break down Big Ten Media Days and what we learned here in Indianapolis. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez.
1: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan out in Indianapolis as we're putting a wrap on Big Ten Media Days. We just heard sound from athletic director... Trev Alberts, want to bring in uh, our next guest here, longtime friend, colleague Andy uh, Kendi from KETV Channel Seven Sports Director. And I was thinking about Sandy. Can you believe we've worked together now uh, since 2011?
0: Yeah, unbelievable. This is our 12th football season together, and first time, long time. This is my first time as a guest on the show. I'm honored.
3: I'm sorry about that, <laughs> but yeah, no, we um, we're down here in Indy, and we just I just played the Trev Alberts comments mm-hmm. from the show what was your big takeaway from Trev I mean there were some questions asked about coach Frost and kind of where things are at what did you walk away with from that conversation with Trev
0: I think it just uh, validated what we had already known and what we have already thought coming into the season basically it comes down to winning games and we're in a big boy business and the job is to win football games and Um, You know he did mention at one point um, during his comments that you know if let's say you lose three key players in the middle of the season will that lens be different viewing the season at the end of the season than had you had all of your star players ready to roll and you didn't get it done so I, I think it was very thoughtful. Um, but I don't think he said anything that made our eyes um, go wider because I think we all know that Scott Frost has to win football games Nebraska has to win football games for him to return next year
3: yeah the whole feel is different because let's be honest there's never really been a coach in a program like Nebraska anywhere that's come back for a fifth year um, when you've had losing seasons like Nebraska's had and um, you know, there's no national shine on Nebraska right. going into this year. Uh, very few kind of broad brush, state of the program, feel good questions were asked to Scott Frost. It was, you guys didn't have a good year, and, you know, and then that, and that, that was it. Nobody really wanted to go much deeper than that.
0: Right, and I think it did play into the fact that uh, Nebraska was going early. That they were before everything really got going yesterday. I was actually surprised that it wasn't a bigger contingent of media surrounding Scott Frost. It's
3: just Eastern. hard to get in here that early.
0: I agree. I agree. Eastern time, the whole bit, getting everybody in from out of town. It, it was a, it, it was a uh, logistical challenge for some of the uh, the reporters. But yesterday, getting back to, to Scott Frost, I think he went 37 minutes. Um, you know, he was asked the, the questions that you would think he would be asked, and. You know, he did remind people the, the the variety of the ways that they lost games last year. Um, not just one way. Not just one way. It wasn't just the punting, the bad punting. It wasn't just bad punt returns. It wasn't just bad, you know, um, uh, 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 timely, untimely turnovers. Um, you know, it was a collection of all those things. And every week it was like a different spin of the wheel to see which way you're going to lose football games. But, you know, you look at the the what his record has has been over the years and you know going back to uh, Denny Green you are what you say you are you know the record is what it, they, they say it is and right now he's three and nine he's 15 and 29 over four years he's 10 and 25 against the Big Ten West it just isn't going to get it done and this is a key year now the fascinating thing Sean I think for for us going into the season and saying what to look for I am fascinated to see how it will play out with all these new faces. How do you bring these guys together in a span of 30 days to get ready to play the most important football game of the season in Dublin, Ireland.
3: <laughs> it's a, it's fascinating. It yep. really is.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean, 15 new guys. Think about it. And we're not talking. 15
3: transfers, three JUCOs.
0: So 18. Okay, so, and we're not just talking about backup offensive linemen. We're talking about Six to eight starters. Yeah, we're talking about wide receivers. We are talking about key personnel, and maybe it's the running back, too. We don't know. So that's why um, this fall camp um, – is going to be such uh, an interesting uh, couple, weeks. but we won't
3: we won't really get to find too much of this stuff out. They're uh, going to
0: well, and that and that was the other thing. You know, it, it, he brought that up yesterday, Sean. And I thought that was really interesting, and I I guess I hadn't thought about it in that perspective. Like last year, you know, the, the let's not sugarcoat it. The loss against Illinois was terrible. Okay, I'm not going to make excuses for that. But he did bring up Scott Frost did that they were preparing for an entire new, entirely new coaching staff with, you know, they didn't know what they were going to do, per se. And this year, Nebraska's kind of that team. That's why you, Scott was very careful about not getting into X's and O's yesterday uh, when he was speaking with the media.
3: Because the, the Northwestern people pick up on all that stuff.
0: I'm telling you, and, 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 and that's just smart football not to, to show your hand. He's not going to put out a d- too deep. He doesn't want people to to, to know what they have. and. So this year, Nebraska is that team because there are so many new faces and you have four new coaches.
3: We're joined here by Andy Kendi of KTV News Watch 7, sports director in Indianapolis right now for Big Ten Media Days. And Andy, going to Media Days, it's like, like going to a work conference. You know, there's the conference part, then there's the part after the conference when you go out out on the town at a night and oftentimes the best information and things you learn or stories you hear happen outside the conference and and uh, you had some interesting conversations you you've run into a lot of people and I'll tee it up anything interesting you want to share that you've heard about in Nebraska or about the conference from um, maybe conversations that took place in hotel lobby we'll just call them restaurants
0: <laughs> well it's just to put it to you this way like the national perspective of Nebraska is a little bit different and a little bit edgier, I think, than the in-state perspective. I think everybody who follows the program on a daily and weekly basis inside the state understands what happened last year. I mean, obviously, we're not, again, not excuses. They were three and nine. Um, but all nine games were losses in single digits. Not to hang your hat on it, but it was an NCAA record that they lost eight one-score games, okay? now it's been an interesting couple days here because scott frost is scott frost he's not he is who he is he's going to come out and say it like it is he does it's obvious he doesn't enjoy this part of his job if you have to rank parts of my job that I like. Uh, Putting on a suit and tie is up there too. Putting on a suit and tie, that's low on the list. And dealing with the media is probably a couple notches below, probably at the bottom of the list, right? No doubt. Uh, And and so um, it was interesting to hear perspectives yesterday. I'm not going to name names, but perspectives from high up people in the conference and high up people in the national uh, uh, writing uh, national writers Um, very well-known names and they would they were rolling their eyes at Nebraska and like you know they just think it's just a matter of time before there's going to be a change in
3: Lincoln well I mean let's face it Trevin Frost they put on a good public show but I don't think that they're going out for coffee together
0: no no and I got that even when Scott was asked about that And, you know, Trev, we will say this, Trev was, his 10 minutes that he did, nine or 10 minutes that he did, it was informative, he was polished. I I think Trev, when we're talking about the list, that's up there. I mean, he doesn't mind dealing with that. He gets
3: that those 10 minutes carry a lot more than 10 minutes.
0: Absolutely, because think about all the stations throughout the state that are gonna run those sound bites and the the papers and the radio programs and, and, and websites like yourself, that are gonna run those comments for not just this week, four weeks leading up to the season. So, it, you know, when people say, well, why do you make such a big deal about meaty days? It sets the table for the season and
3: depends- It's kind of your cover letter.
0: Absolutely. It is the the, the starting point, the launching point of the season. And I've, I just think that's why setting the tone at an event like this is so important. And yesterday, or when Scott Frost dealt with the meaty yesterday, You know, if you could have a mulligan, in my opinion, I think he probably would take that. I don't know how much he cares, but I'm just saying from the national perspective, from what I was talking to national writers yesterday, they were like, man, that is something else. I mean, I I get it. He's under pressure.
3: Well, and some of these guys he kind of went to battle with over the COVID years, and and he's a polarizing figure to those people. No doubt. And
0: an an easy target.
3: Because he hasn't won Mm -hmm. and just... His he doesn't kiss butt, no. Like, he's not going to say, "Oh, Andy, it's great to see you. Thank you so much for that question. How's your family doing?" I,
0: some of the coaches are doing that,
3: and and it's, like
0: Mel Tucker, <laughs> we we just listened to Mel Tucker, which it it almost looks uncomfortable for him to say, "Thank you for that question. Uh, I, I appreciate you being here." It it, it it sounds uncomfortable. It doesn't
3: seem natural. No,
0: no. Some people it is Pat Fitzgerald. Oh my goodness, you know he, I love Pat. Yeah. He's
3: a great interview
0: and and when he was up at the podium yesterday and and there was a lack of questions he kind of made a joke about himself he said you know what did he say he said uh i guess when you win three games this is all the questions you get
3: and well and pj fleck he he, he's almost too much yeah
0: yeah right he he said
3: hi to his wife and kids on i mean that's cute yeah my family and young kids would appreciate that but just i mean then he just pours it on
0: yeah I think there's a, you have to take PJ Fleck in, in small doses, right? You just have to make sure you, you keep your budget on PJ Fleck because I know he rubs people the wrong way. But it has been interesting, Sean, these last few days in Indianapolis, seeing what the perspective is on Nebraska. And even the, you know, it's funny, about the national riders real quick. Um, they were like, oh, see, everybody's bending over for Nebraska, having to go early. You know, they have to have their own special time because, I mean, this is what they're saying. Well,
3: and I, I knew that was gonna come out of it. and. The way Nebraska set their fall camp schedule, they reported that day and fan day was that evening, um, you know, and if they would have done media days in its entirety, they would have been here to about five,
0: yeah, four. Yeah, at least three or four, yeah. yeah.
3: And so I, I get it because they have a game and they have a yeah. week zero schedule, but Northwestern was doing theirs a, la- a day later. Yeah. And Nebraska chose to start a day earlier to essentially build an extra off day. They're doing, I call it the firefighter schedule. Yeah. Um, where they're three-on, one-off, three-on, one-off, three-on, one-off. I mean, it's it's a very unique schedule, and by doing that, they're starting camp a day earlier.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to go too far into it, but I just wonder, why didn't the, the school and the Big Ten Conference get together, talk about dates, lay out the schedule, and say, hey, let's do Monday-Tuesday rather than Tuesday-Wednesday? I know it's not that easy with hotels and, and facilities yeah, Monday, and Yeah,
3: Monday-Tuesday would have made a lot more sense because you have three Week Zero teams here, yeah. and... Yeah. What you can't tell like a team like you got to move your fall camp and because even
0: Purdue's playing Penn State on a Thursday I think so they time. get a start a little one, early so they're starting a little early too so yeah I, I just don't I I don't know who dropped the ball on that if maybe the schedules uh, the camp schedule wasn't prepared at that point when the Big Ten announced that they would do media days on a Tuesday Wednesday but. Starting Monday, Tuesday, they've done Monday, Tuesday in the past. I just don't know why they just didn't do it that way. It would have alleviated a lot. Well, they do
3: athletic director meetings on Monday. mm -hmm. So maybe that was part of the deal. Maybe. They wanted to have their meetings on Monday with the staffs and, and the ADs. And then Tuesday, Wednesday were the formal part of things. Sure. But this is probably the latest. I mean, I don't know. You've been around yeah. longer. This is this, the latest this, You can't go any later right. than this. This is
0: about as late as you can get with uh, media days because you start backing in into training Which I like. Camp. Yeah, it, it's fine. They were, they were. You know, I don't know if they didn't want to compete with the SEC. Or they wanted their own stage, but you know, it, it it is interesting the lateness of this. I was looking back at old uh, uh, pieces that we've done over the years, and you know, it's July 19th, 18, 19th, July 21, 22. It's not you know whatever we are. We're 27th. 27. Yeah, I've lost track of the days. July the- 27th, It's almost August. So that that is a a, a late start
3: for me. Um, as we wrap things up again here, with Andy, you'll be out in Dublin with me. What are you looking forward to about that? I'm looking. I mean, obviously, I'm looking forward to that trip for a lot of reasons. But we got a show. We're gonna do it. Can you tease what yeah, we got yeah. coming okay, on so, KTV? So
0: we're we're flying out on, on Monday. We'll be there Tuesday, kind of adjust and adapt. And we're putting together a half hour special over the next couple days after we arrive in, in Dublin, Ireland. It's gonna air on Friday night, uh, which is also week one of the high school football season <laughs> in Nebraska. So a six o'clock show in local thirty, I believe it's gonna air, and it's uh, on KETV in Omaha. And we're going, uh, we're going to prepare it all, produce it all from Dublin, Ireland. Don't know how we're going to send it back. We've got to jump through those logistical hurdles. But it's going to be myself and Rob McCartney, our main news anchor. People may know his name, and he's a uh, Husker graduate, uh, Nebraska graduate. So um, it's going to be fun having him having an element because we don't normally get news people on road trips. And, of course, Tyler White will be there as well. It's going to be fun. I, I think I'm looking forward to just how they handle... Um, how, how this game's going to get pulled off and do people care over there that's the thing do people care does the average uh, irish man Well, they don't woman... they don't
3: play f- they don't have they don't have things like this over there
0: right and i'm i'm curious and i'm curious to see what the the draw is because you know when we were on um that zoom call with officials from the game i you know the when they with pork cocaine and yeah yeah and so I, and they were throwing out numbers and i you know, i think as we get closer i you know i think They're going to be Husker fans, as you know. They always represent. I think there's going to be a strong representation of Nebraska fans over there.
3: Well, I think they're expecting, was it 12,000 Nebraska fans? They were saying
0: between, by the time the game hits, about 10 to 12. They think they they originally had hoped for, they were shooting for the moon for 20. uh, And I think just for a variety of reasons, COVID, international travel, the uncertainty of everything that's going on in the world that uh, I think they have to be pretty happy if you get 10,000 Husker fans. Ask yourself State.
3: this, how many fan bases would do more than 10? Not very many. No.
0: Well, when you th- when you look at it, and they said Northwestern is at three. Uh, you know, that, that tells you. Now, granted, you know, a smaller alumni base, but whatever. I, I, I contend that you, Nebraska fans will represent, and it's gonna be a great time. I, I know people who have, have bucked up to buy tickets and that are going. It's going to be one of those trips, Sean, that you will always
3: remember. No doubt
0: doing. You know, like I couldn't tell you who won the game or what the score was, Nebraska at Northwestern, you know, five years ago, but we will always remember. You what were happened a student
3: at Wisconsin when they went to Japan, right?
0: Yeah, I, in fact, it was my first year on the air. They went to Japan, and it was the year they clinched the ro- They clinched going to the Rose in Bowl Tokyo. in Tokyo against Michigan State. How goofy is that? It was the year after. I and believe. there wasn't
3: any television for those games.
0: No, no, there was. It was on is, ESPN.
3: Oh, because Nebraska, when they played K-State, there was no TV oh, for that game.
0: <laughs> so nobody could get highlights? Nobody could get highlights, yeah. Oh, because that was the year after that game was the uh, Wisconsin-Michigan State game. And that's how Barry Alvarez clinched his first Rose Bowl at Wisconsin, and he did it over in the Egg Bowl.
3: Well, Andy, I'm looking forward to that. And if you want to find us in Dublin, we may be in a couple pubs here and there throughout the week. Our church. Our church. Yeah, church after the pubs. Taking tours of a few uh, lovely (laughs) sites in Dublin. But Andy, thanks for joining me and looking forward to another football season with you at KTV.
0: As am I, Sean. It's been awesome working with you over years. Can't wait to see what happens this year. And the great thing about it, Nobody knows what's gonna happen. <laughs> Nobody I mean, we think we know, but we just don't know. That's what that's the beauty of the sport.
3: Well, much more to come. Isaac Gifford will join me next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
4: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
1: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan here as fall camp is here. Big Ten Media Days now in the books for Nebraska. And as uh, fall camp kicks off here in Lincoln, um, got a chance here to catch up. In studio with one of our favorite guys here, Lincoln Southeast, Lincoln Product, Isaac Gifford joining us here in studio on the Husker Online Show. Uh, happy Christmas, man, and Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's fall camp time yeah, for you guys. You ready to go? We're we're close. It's hard to believe that it's already here, but um, I'm excited for it. Yeah, you look at it, Isaac, um, the schedule really jumps out to me. I've covered fall camp a long time at Nebraska, and I can go back to the days where you would do two days every day, Monday mm-hmm. through Friday. And then Saturday you do a hundred play live scrimmage yep. and you look at your schedule this year. I mean, you can't do two days anymore anyway. Um, but you look at that schedule. Now you guys are going to go three days on one off three on one. It's like your you guys are like firefighters or something. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, with yeah. The, I mean, what, what c- kind of gives some insight to the schedule and, and why they want to really kind of on off, on off this, this schedule with you guys all the way into Dublin.
5: Yeah. I think, you know, it's really just about keeping our bodies healthy. And, I mean, fall camp just takes a toll. I mean, and if you can give all you got for three days and get one day off, know you're going to have that day off after those three days, it's it's a lot easier to give your all for those three practices. You know, and,
3: I mean, it's going to be a long season, so better safe than sorry. And there, there was a time where fall camp was meant to get the football team in shape, and mm. that's not the case anymore. You guys, er, everyone's probably in the best shape they're going to be in all year. Yep. Um, You know, I heard somebody once say you're never going to feel better than the first day of fall camp because your body is like been trained for it. Right. I mean, we've been working out all summer. I mean,
5: and football shape is different than going and running stadiums. You know, it's never going to be the same, but this helps you get somewhat conditioned and be ready for that first hard day of practice. You know, it's not going to take you as long to get ready in shape.
3: We haven't talked, obviously, in, in over a month since we last did the interview um, on camera. I'm curious, what what do you think of just the way things have come together with this team and the newcomers and kind of what were some of your big takeaways over this summer?
5: Um, you know, I think it's a very close team. I was uh, telling somebody about this the other day, but it's, it's really a brotherhood. And it, I know for the defense, especially, I mean, we're all just great friends, not even just on the field, off the field. We're hanging out at each other's houses. If you can't find me at my house, I'm probably at Garrett Nelson's house. If, you, if I'm not there, I'm at Garrett Snodgrass's house. You know, we're all together all the time, and we're all just great friends.
3: You look at the leadership, too. I mean, you think about a year ago, you had so many of these older guys that were here, mm-hmm. like JoJo and Ben and Kyron and Markell and Cam taylor Brid and Even Honus yeah. as a linebacker. Those guys have all, are all gone, and, yeah, you don't want to lose guys that are good players, but in, in the, at the same time, has that opened more opportunities now? Like, okay, some of these guys – I need to step up now. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have these six older guys around to kind right. of lead the way.
5: Right. You know, we always – you'd kind of rely on them, right? So, last year, you could rely on Markel or Deontay.
3: Damian Daniels, too, I, mentioned, I forgot to him mention. Him, too, yes.
5: Yeah, but you could rely on them to always be there and be a leader. And this year, you're like, well – they're gone, you know? We gotta step up and take over. I mean, that was kind of, after after spring ball, I, it really kind of hit me, you know? It's like, wow, okay, we need to step up and we need to take take over those roles.
3: How much have you grown in that? Because I mean, I've known you since your high school days and, and I, I feel like you've become more comfortable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. leading with a voice, not yeah. just by example.
5: Yeah, um, I mean, it's always tough. I'm always a guy that feels like he needs to earn respect before he can lead, really, right? So you're, you're not just bossing people around, and not you're not basically you're not talking the talk if you can't walk the walk, right? So I'm I'm that's what I how I tried to lead, and uh, I think I'm starting to become more comfortable in that
3: spot. We're joined here in studio by Nebraska nickel Isaac Gifford, and um, finally we gave you a label like. Mm-hmm. You're not a safety, you're not an outside linebacker, yeah. you're a nickel. I'm a nickel, yes. Uh, when, when you saw the Huskers.com roster officially updated to that, <laughs> did you have people ask you about that?
5: <laughs> well, I always have people asking me. I mean, I, I still have people asking me, safety, nickel, outside linebacker? Uh, I, I don't know, guys. I, I'll do whatever they tell me to play.
3: It was kind of the story of your recruiting year, and they didn't know for sure mm-hmm. where you fit. Like, is he a linebacker? Is he yeah. a safety? Yeah. And. You're a nickel i mean yep. you're, you're kind of the the jojo position and i'm a tweener um you I know am. yeah you, i mean you've got a great opportunity now to move into that role that jojo had um i mean why do you think you're the guy like what, what sell yourself to husker fans listening <laughs> that you can get this done this year
5: um i'm a, I, i'm in the right spot all the time i i don't I'm, i don't make a lot of mistakes and when i do i i fix them pretty fast you know and I know what I'm. I know the defense. It's been three years. I've had the same defensive coordinator, and now I know the defense. I know it well, and I know it well enough that I know where I'm supposed to be all the time.
3: Now, does Eric Shenander still run the nickel meeting room? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that alone too. Not only do you know the defense and the coordinator, he's also technically your your position coach. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. We spend a lot of time together.
3: Yeah, what is your relationship like with him? Uh, because it's been a long time since Nebraska's had a defensive corner even Mm -hmm. for five years in a row. I think your brother had about ten of them. Yeah,
5: he had three in (laughs) five years. So, yeah, it's been nice to have um, Coach around all the time. I mean, he's very um, one-on-one in meetings, So and he knows – the defense like the back of his hand i mean so it, it's it's pretty nice
3: to have him around all the time speaking of your brother how's he doing he's, he's still in dallas right Yep,
5: he's still in dallas he's they're getting ready to go to oxford here i think in the next week or so
3: and that's oxford california, california. california. so they, they get out of that texas yeah. heat too yeah
5: how nice would that be to go to all the way to california just for training camp
3: there was a time back in the day where nebraska during the bowl games would actually travel to Texas. Mm-hmm. this is like in the 60s they would go to texas <laughs> for bowl practices Really. 'Cause they didn't have an indoor facility. Yeah, yeah right. So I mean, it's imagine freezing cold. Yeah, December. But yeah, the there 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 was a thought, um, moving fall camp at one time out to like a I think Bill Callahan had the thought, like, "Hey, move it to like a place where the players like stay overnight." Well, he and, was
5: a California guy, wasn't he? But, so, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I would have done that in a heartbeat.
3: It would have been like Western Nebraska, somewhere like <laughs> I, desolate. I mean, yeah. but yeah, you think about camp—that's what camp's all about. Like, I mean, you, you're in that building at what six thirty in mm-hmm. the morning, yep, and you leave at what time? Eight nine?
5: Yeah, I think the schedule on there right now is about eight or nine.
3: And you will you be in full camp all the way until Dublin? Yeah. Pretty much. So you're you're like 12 plus hour days and that's a big difference because you're limited to just 20 hours mm-hmm. a week Once mm-hmm. you get out of camp, where in fall camp. You guys can be over yeah, there 60 the 60 hours a week Yeah,
5: I mean I would know guys that would sleep in the locker room and then just wake up and go I mean I know D- Damien oh, Who's it Damien Jackson? He would
3: do that all the time. He He'd just, sleep on the. St- he would
5: just sleep in the locker room. He'd sleep on a cot and then wow. just wake up go to practice
3: well, when you uh, fight for the United States of America and overseas, <laughs> I'm sure you're used to sleeping in a lot of different places. Right, right. <laughs> well, we're uh, joined in uh, studio here as we wrap it up with Isaac Gifford. Uh, I also want to talk to you about Coach Frost. I mean, just what have you seen from him? How has he changed? Um, you know, obviously the offensive side of the ball, completely different look, but just day-to-day over the course of the summer and, and kind of heading into camp, what are your big th- takeaways uh, from watching Coach Frost?
5: Um, he is all in on this year. I mean, not that he hasn't been in the past years, but he is he is gonna do whatever it takes to win this year and I love to see that as a from a head coach and i mean he's coming into all the meeting rooms. It's not just one group i mean he'll work with the quarterbacks, he'll come over and tell us stuff i mean he he's he's done a good job this year he really has.
3: We were with him at Tanner's last week for that Husker event, mm-hmm. and he popped in there and just visited with him for a minute. And you could sense a laser focus, and, and mm-hmm. like you said, it's not like he's never not, but yeah, right. even another level right. of laser focus. Right. And not, a t- I don't want to say chip on his shoulder, but, th- but there is a chip. But, I mean, oh yeah, he's there is. he's pissed. Yes, I mean, yeah, he's, and
5: there's, I mean, there's a lot. Of, we're all like that. I mean, we're all ready to go. I mean, we all got a chip on our shoulder.
3: Well, Isaac, uh, really appreciate you coming in studio here. Uh, I know uh, this is kind of your calm before the storm. <laughs> Hopefully you've uh, found a swimming pool or something to kind of. Yeah, I'll
5: go get on the golf course or something here soon.
3: What, what's your score, man? What do what are you uh, shooting these days?
5: It ain't good, I'll tell you that. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a low 90s. I'm a low 90s guy.
3: Chubb was a big golfer, I've
5: heard. He's gotten into it. I don't think he golfed a lot when he was at Florida State, but here he, he started golfing quite a bit. Yeah. So Vol- Volklik's good, too, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, Trav is pretty good.
3: Who's he's the really best good. guy on the team?
5: I would say Trav. Trav, why? Wow. I would say Trav. So
3: he's yes. shooting, like, 70s, 80s? Yeah,
5: I think so. I think he's shooting 80s pretty consistently. Yeah, so. that ain't me. No, not me either. <laughs> not me either.
3: Well, hey, good luck, and thanks again, Isaac, for coming in, and uh, as you get ready here for this really big season for Nebraska football. Yeah, thanks, John. All right, much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show
1: you're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here in Indianapolis as I put a wrap on Big Ten Media Days. Fall camp, as I said, off the top also underway as the Huskers began practice on Wednesday. And uh, they'll have that unique schedule, three on, one off. And want to get now into our mailbag segment before I get into the mailbag This segment is brought to you by Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy, located on 30th in Yankee Hill Road in the Wilderness Hills Plaza. Going on into Restore, they've got great uh, membership specials going on there. They just opened uh, with cryotherapy, infrared sauna, uh, hydrofacials, everything you want to do. It's an awesome place, locally owned here and ran uh, by Wes Heiser. Check out Restore cryotherapy, but uh, let's get into the mailbag. Um, You look at things here, the questions I got, a lot of questions here as um, we wrap up things in Indianapolis. First question comes from Brian. What are the top two or three things you're looking forward to this season? (laughs) Number one, Ireland. Obviously, for a lot of reasons, um, I just think it's a unique chapter in the history of Nebraska to go overseas to play a football game in Ireland, but the game is also extremely important in terms of this chapter of Nebraska football with Scott Frost and, and, and what it means in the big picture. Um, I would say number two, Oklahoma coming back to Lincoln, um, just that game and what it means. The Sooners have not played a game in Memorial stadium since 2009. And, you know, that was in Dominic and Sue's final season. The Huskers won that game. Uh, you know, Landry Jones threw a bunch of picks to Matt O'Hanlon Um, So it's been a long time. I mean, it doesn't feel like it's been that many years, but 2009 was the last time we've seen Oklahoma. So I'm looking forward to that. And number three, just how things play out in the Big Ten West. I, I really believe it's a grab bag. To me, Wisconsin is the safe bet. Uh, because they've got Braylon Allen, which is an established running back. We know their line of scrimmage tradition at Wisconsin. We know their quarterbacks generally don't beat themselves, and we know they always have had a good defense. So they're the pick today, but they have a tougher schedule than Nebraska. Uh, can Nebraska and teams like Minnesota, who don't have as tough of a crossover draw, um, take advantage of that and gain a game? Those tiebreaker games – against Wisconsin will be huge in the big picture moving forward. Uh, Cornusker Cole has a question for me. What's one fall camp bold prediction that you have? I I don't know about bold, but I'll go through a few. I think Anthony Grant's going to win at running back. I think he's going to end up being the guy. I will say Trey Palmer, I believe, will be a 1,000-yard receiver and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Garrett Nelson had more sacks than O'Shawn Mathis. I think both these guys are capable to put up around eight sacks this year. It will be um, you know, a very, very good-looking group off the edge, and what will that group do? Um, so those are some of my fall camp predictions I have heading in here to, to practice. Husker Hysteria, will there be new alternative uniforms this year? Will they ever wear... Black shirt ones that they released, but never played in. Um, yes, they will have Adidas. Kind of makes you do it. I, I, I think you don't have to do it, but Adidas pays a lot of money to Nebraska, and they like the schools to wear the alternative uniforms because it allows them, you know, then to be able to showcase their brand, sell jerseys, and and helps the apparel shops, helps their brand, etc. Um, so I would expect there to be an alternate uniform. Wouldn't surprise me, I'm just going to make a prediction, wouldn't surprise me if you saw those worn in a game like Illinois or Indiana, somewhere in the middle of the season, uh, one of those games, and that typically gets put out around this time of the year. Um, Rob S fitness, is the interior defensive line depth your second concern after the offensive line? I, you know, that's a good question you bring, Rob. I, I look at Ty Robinson, Colton Feast, Nash Hutmacher, Stefan Wynn, then you're going to bring in Devin Drew. I feel like they have five guys there, and you're only going to have two of those players on the field. So if Devin Drew can come in and be in shape and provide them depth today, right now, I already feel like they have five guys that can really play those two spots. You're going to see Garrett Nelson and O'Shaughness and Caleb on the edge. Um, so this is not you're not going to see three of those guys very often. Maybe a goal line situation um, where would require that. Um, but it is dicey. I think an injury there with that group really would concern you um, because if they got down to just four or even three, then you got a problem because I do think after those five players I mentioned, there is a pretty big drop-off um, with some of the interior defensive linemen. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan wrapping up things as we take questions in the mailbag. Husker Dude 87. Other than game one. Which game do you think is the most important of the year and why? Another great question. Uh, I will say this. I mean, the end of the year is so big. Iowa, I think Iowa. I really do. I mean, I I, I was going to say Wisconsin. I was even going to say Minnesota just because I I think Minnesota, the way they've beaten Nebraska, the, quote, culture beats talent by P.J. Fleck. And Frost and Fleck don't like one another. I mean, that's clear to me. And that game's big. But I just think the Iowa game. Because I, you know, if you you expect the season to kind of be in this strange purgatory of, you know, good or bad in late November, the Iowa game could be the game that breaks it one way or the other. So I'll say the Iowa game uh, because of the timing of the game, the history of the game, and the fact that Iowa has beaten the Huskers now seven straight years. Uh, Zach McLeod has a question. Do you feel that Ashley Williams is going to decommit like the rumors floating around have started? And if so, is this due to the possible Cameron Lenhart committing coming soon? You know, you you look at that situation. I can tell you that Cam Lenhart was higher on the overall board than Ashley Williams. And Cam Lenhart has kind of gone radio silent with things. I expect Cam Lenhart to be a Husker. I, I really do. And how and when that takes place, I don't know. Um, the Ashley Williams thing is interesting, though, because he's an edge, Linhart's an edge, Maverick Noonan's an edge. When Noonan committed, I think Nebraska painted a picture that they were only going to take two high school edges, which makes sense. They don't need three of these high school edges. Um, so did Williams commit You know, jumping the gun? Um, you know, we didn't see the coaching staff really praise the commit or acknowledge it on Twitter when it happened. Um, so is he trying to kind of manage that situation on his own? and then now go to Auburn. I mean, I think that's how it's likely going to play out. I think Ashley Williams visits Auburn here this weekend, and I could see him changing his commitment to the Tigers. I do know Auburn would like to have Ashley Williams. Thoughts on This is from Mark Winter. Thoughts on Frost Meaner at Media Days. Got the sense he was just pissed and ready to go to work. Yeah, I think the context needs to be painted a little clearer on on the setup of the day. Nebraska, because they had fall camp beginning and players reporting on Tuesday, you know they were in and out of there before the thing started. So, you know Nebraska was the first team in the door and the first team out the door. A lot of the media were just getting in the building when Nebraska was done for the day at media days on t- on Tuesday. So, um, a lot was made of Frost not making an opening statement on the podium made for TV portion. But the moderator is pretty clear. She, she said, Coach, would you like to make an opening statement or go right to questions? And he goes, I'll go right to questions. So they give you the choice. Um, do most coaches give an opening statement? Yes. But we've been around Coach Frost now. This is his fifth season at Nebraska. He has never given opening statements at his press conferences at any time. But at the same time, I get the argument on the other end that this is kind of a, a political platform for your program to stand up on a stage on TV and, and be a good representative. So – Um, would it have helped for us to say, hey, we're excited to get going, we open up practice, we're going to Ireland, now take questions? He could have just did something like that and it would have been just fine. But he he just said, hey, let's go right to questions. And there were questions for the whole 15 minutes. So uh, I know some reporters will get annoyed when a coach goes too long with the opening statement. The coach could go 12, 13 minutes with an opening statement and then leave no time for questions. And we've seen that before at Big Ten Media Days, and people just kind of roll their eyes because it's all filibuster talk. Frost is not a filibuster talk coach. He talks real and said, let's get right to questions. So um, it is what it is. Um, you can kind of decide what you thought of it. That was my take on that situation. All right. Vinny has a question. Newsom, Volkolek, Nelson, who will be the fourth captain? I look at offense and I, I wonder where they would go for another captain um, because I think Volkolek is a slam-dunk offensive captain. You, you mentioned two players on defense right there. Caleb Tanner is captain material as well uh, behind the scenes. Um, you know There's other guys in the program like Ty Robinson, Luke Reimer, Nick Henrich, uh, but they're younger. They're not seniors, uh, or they're not fourth-year players in the program. With COVID, everyone's eligibility is kind of in whack. Uh, but you go to offense, would it be a Turner Corcoran? I don't know. Uh, would it be a Trent Hickson or somebody – Uh, that's been in this program for a really long time. The problem is you look at quarterback, running back, wide receiver. All of these guys, for the most part, are going to be new players. Um, So I I wouldn't be surprised if they go offense for the second offensive captain if they went to the offensive line. Um, I don't know if Frost is going to give or the players are going to vote a newcomer as a captain, a guy that's only been on the program for a few months. So that will be interesting, or maybe maybe they'll have just three captains. Um, There's no rule that says you need to have four captains. In fact, there have been times where Nebraska's had two captains. There's been times where they've had six captains. Um, So it all depends on kind of what the head coach wants to do. I always thought it was interesting. Bo Pelini went in this phase where he didn't name captains until the end of the season. He said, hey, we're going to let things play out, and – by the end of the year we'll know who the leaders are and then we'll name the captains of the team going into the bowl game and you know people kind of criticize that but it ended up being a, a good way to do it because it allowed more guys to feel like they could be a leadership voice in the program where if you just name captains sometimes you know there's guys that are captains that maybe shouldn't be the captains and when things go wrong You know, people look to them, and they don't have the answer. So, um, there's different ways of doing captains at Nebraska, and we've seen coaches do it all sorts of ways. All right, got another question. Have they cut down to eighty-five? Is there a clear plan to do so? Uh, Yes, they have. Um, They're not. There's no more players as of now that are leaving the program. Um, What will probably end up happening is some of the seniors are. Walk on players that were on one year renewables. So if you come in as a walk on and get put on scholarship, those scholarships are renewed every year, one year. They're not a guarantee four years. So some of those players may have to come off, uh, but there will be no more attrition on the team here going forward. Final question: How was the travel for the um, for for you coming into India? I I think you kind of heard. through the grapevine, we, we battled some travel getting in, but we did make it. Uh, the only disappointing thing um, of the trip is uh, we did not get a chance to go to St. Elmo's Steakhouse and get some shrimp cocktail um, here in Indy. We didn't get in town until 3.30 in the morning on Tuesday, and then we headed over to Lucas Oil Stadium around 8 o'clock or 7.45 in the morning to, to get going uh, for the day, um, which that's Eastern time, so it's an hour earlier back in Nebraska, but we made it through. Uh, Let's move on now to fall camp, and we'll be back here next week as we'll have a full breakdown of what we learned here in the first few days of fall camp.
1: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.